This is Safe for Work, the Workopolis podcast. Hi, I'm Sal Chalfi, and today on the podcast, we'll be looking at everyone's favorite on-the-job activity, the annual performance review. If just hearing these words fills you with anxiety and dread, you're not alone. Here at Workopolis, we just finished our annual performance reviews for 2016, and this can be challenging for a lot of people, which is understandable. It's not easy being judged on an entire year's worth of work. The thing is, employees aren't the only ones who struggle with it. And in recent years, many companies have turned their backs on the traditional performance review, only to bring them back with a modern twist. Later, we'll be taking a closer look at the way one such company has revamped their performance reviews. We'll also speak to Workopolis' Director of Human Resources for some tips on how employees can best prepare for the modern day performance review. But first, we thought it might be useful to see how it all began. Our very own Paige McGarry did some digging into the history of performance reviews and how we got to where we are now. Hi, Paige. Hi. So, where did performance reviews first come about? Well, there's elements of the performance review system that date back to ancient Egypt. But in general, we see the history start in around the 19th century, especially during the Industrial Revolution. For the most part, however, the earliest adopter of formal appraisals was the military. There, they were implemented as early as 1813 and were essentially used to identify problematic soldiers and indicate those with the potential to become officers. Uh, It was a, a ranking system, but a fairly descriptive and subjective one. Uh, The first reviews on record are from an Army General Lewis Cass, and included in the descriptions of officers are uh, phrases like, a good-natured man, or a knave despised by all. The word knave is not used often enough, it's too bad. Um, (laughs) But that's interesting. So at what point did the business world start to adopt uh, performance, or these kind of appraisals? Well, for the most part, reviews didn't really catch on in the business world until after World War II, although some bigger companies implemented them sooner. Uh, Lord & Taylor, for example, implemented them as early as 1914. Basically, by the 1950s, the idea of performance assessment was a pretty integral part of management. So you mentioned in the military, the idea was to identify problematic soldiers and those with potential. But what was the, the intention in the business world? In essence, sorting workers, especially when jobs were in shorter supply and seekers were plentiful. Uh, There's a great Harvard Business Review quote, when human capital was plentiful, the focus was on which people to let go, which to keep, and which to reward. In the 1960s, there were thinkers like Douglas McGregor, who were exploring employee engagement and goal setting, laying the groundwork for the development of employers. But that kind of stopped short in the 70s when high inflation rates and other factors led companies to really redirect their focus onto compensation. The the term performance management was coined by Aubrey Daniels at this time, and systems were really geared towards accountability and ranking, with star performers rewarded and low performers fired. So so gloom and doom. (laughs) Uh, So in the decades that followed, this continued to shift and change, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. So as we move through the 80s and the 90s and into more recent times, uh, various talent shortages really push the needle once in a while back toward employee development. In essence, there simply wasn't enough employees to just be firing the low performers. However, by 2000, uh, companies were again responding to tight budgets and leaner management systems. 
and again moving towards ranking and systems that focused on accountability and performance. Okay, which, which begs the question, why did companies start turning their back on the traditional performance review? Um, well, this kind of started in 2010. So companies began really realizing how much everyone, managers and employees, dreaded the performance review system. And it wasn't just uh, employee feedback. There was quantifiable evidence, it seemed, that these reviews were a bad idea. There was a report by CEB in 2015 that, were, that said faulty performance review processes could cost a 10,000 employee company as much as $35 million in lost productivity. The reaction was somewhat knee-jerk, though. A lot of companies abolished reviews altogether. Adobe began dismantling its review system in 2012, followed by Deloitte, Microsoft, and many others. So does that mean that performance reviews are now dead? Um, not really. It certainly seemed like it, and virtually every news source had a big flashy title announcing the death of performance reviews. But it was really more of a revolution. See, at the very core, performance reviews are all about feedback, and any company that abolishes feedback is probably going to tank pretty quickly. So what are companies doing now instead? Well, companies that had eliminated their performance management systems were really just switching to a different way of delivering feedback. Still very groundbreaking, mind you, but a little different than what the headlines might have suggested. After all, it's pretty amazing that companies that had systems in place for years and sometimes decades were making such big changes. And we have a great example of that coming up in a bit. So how do these modern variations differ from those in the past? If you really want to distill it down, the old systems were all about looking back and the new systems are all about looking forward. The verbiage has even changed. You know, we used to use the phrase performance management and now most companies are adopting the phrase performance development. Of course, some current modern review systems still include an emphasis on accountability and ranking. Some, in some industries just kind of require that, but there's an additional focus on working with employees to help them improve and grow. Okay, GE is a, is a good example of this, and we know this is a massive company, but there's still quite a bit uh, that we could learn from that example. Uh, and you recently spoke to them about these changes. Um, what did you learn? So GE's new performance reviews work on a system of insights that can be offered to employees by managers or fellow employees, both verbally and through their new app. There are two types of these insights, consider insights and continue insights. A continue celebrates and encourages an employee when they do something good. A consider insight offers constructive criticism when an employee shows opportunities for improvement or needs some guidance. To find out more, I chatted with Sonia Boyle, Vice President of Human Resources at GE Canada, about their new system. Great, let's listen in. So how did GE know it was time for a change? Um, it was really around discovering and listening. We wanted a system to position us better for the future, a more contemporary performance development system that provides real-time feedback tied to both customer and shareholder outcomes. Um, the previous system we had had been in place since 1976. We called it the EMS, which stood for Employee Management System. And there was recognition at the very senior levels of the company to ask and say, is this still working for us? So we went out to employees and managers 
And the feedback we heard globally was that we needed something that was more continuous, a more fluid process versus an event-driven one. And so your new system, PD at GE, was born. Right. So performance management was our historical approach. Again, it was system-driven, top-down. It was very formal. So in the new system, we changed the wording to performance development. We call it PD at GE, as you say. And from our perspective, it's really around forward-thinking, actionable conversations. We really want this to be a daily priority for both employees and managers. And it's about developing employees and delivering business outcomes that are focused on work that really matters the most. And through this, accelerating an employee's growth through a continuous discussion and dialogue and enabled by a more contemporary and mobile application. So the system involves uh, an app. How exactly does the app work? The app really isn't the end goal. The end goal is really around the conversations that employees and managers are having. The core elements of the system are really around priorities, touch points, insights, and career dialogue and coaching. The app is really used to be a facilitator around that and to document conversations. If someone goes in and offers you an insight through the app, you get an automatic email notification. These aren't anonymous. And that encourages further trust, which is also part of our culture. But really, your manager doesn't have access to the insights you receive. And I, as the HR leader, uh, don't have access to it either. It's really about the employee owning it. But you still have an end-of-year review, that's correct? We do. So we encourage both employees and managers to set up what we call a summary touch point. And in this conversation, you can share your insights that you've received throughout the year with your manager and say, look, this is what we're going to do going forward. Does this make sense? We really want to focus that discussion to be on forward-looking development and then coming up with priorities to get you there. So again, it's that forward-looking review as opposed to let's look back at what we've done before. At the same time, there's no ratings. Yeah, so this is new, um, and, uh, you know, we tested this uh, when we were rolling it out through uh, both with our rating systems and without, and then we announced uh, late in 2016 that GE, I guess mid-2016, that GE company-wide is moving away from having a formal annual static performance rating. And there were a lot of questions around how is this going to be implemented, what happens to my bonus and my merit increase. But really, our managers should know who their employees are. And where we piloted the no rating system, things like compensation and bonus planning were not impacted. And what we heard was the quality of the conversations were better. Managers, even without a performance rating, will need to know their employees so well that they can articulate their impact and behaviors. And then rewards will be aligned to both rather than merely relying on a performance label. So this past cycle, if you will, was the first time we've gone company-wide with no ratings, and uh, we're still evaluating, but again, through our testing of the system without a rating, uh, it seemed to have no impact, so we fully expect that to be the same case uh, as we've gone through for the whole company. How was it implemented throughout a company with so many employees? You have 300,000 employees in 170 countries. How, how did you even begin that process? 
Yeah, I think the biggest challenge was around the change. And so we did this through a phased rollout. Um, it started in mid-2015 with a pilot approach uh, across a couple of businesses, a couple of functions. And then we added more later in the year. And by the end of 2016, we had mostly everybody on the system. So it was really phased in um, because we wanted to learn from different iterations and what we're hearing what i've heard is that the very early iterations in mid-2015 is very different than where we ended up today mostly because of what we heard through those initial pilots what were some of the biggest challenges i think i mentioned it earlier really just around change right with any change process if you've been around ge for any amount of years you were sort of used to the rhythms of the old system and especially for managers this new system uh, brought with it really different expectations around the types of conversations that we wanted them to have with their employees and how they were going to develop their talent and position us for the future. So I think that's been the biggest challenge and we've been working through that. There also might've been a learning curve in terms of vulnerability, being open to feedback so much of the time. Mm -hmm. So we're doing a lot of training and we have done a lot of training and continue to do that in terms of getting comfortable with giving insights. Uh, there are tips right in the tool. There's a ton of availability uh, that we provide throughout the year in terms of reminders and refreshers, both on our HR portal and, and various other systems within the company. We've been, uh, we actually held a PD week at our headquarters here in Canada as well. And that was really around getting both managers and non-managers and, and comfortable with the system and having drop-in sessions to ask questions, et cetera. And really what we've shared with our leaders is as a leader, you've got to be vulnerable. And so that builds the trust among your team. And this program really helps to facilitate some of that. So again, receiving support through the HR community, but also looking at some of our leadership program curriculum to include elements of trust and vulnerability, and also authenticity, because we think that is what really will help drive conversations to be good. How can an SMB learn from a system like this? I think it's all about the tone from the top. We couldn't do this if it wasn't something that was supported and uh, was believed in by our most senior leadership. So I think even for a small or medium enterprise, it starts with leadership and the commitment around developing employees and having open conversations. So eliminating the performance review and coming up with what works for you isn't too difficult to achieve, but you've got to do it based on your culture, your employee base, the resources you have available. But really, it starts with the leadership. And if you've got that mandate and that vision from the top, I think you can make it work. Uh, regardless of the size of the organization. Interesting stuff from GE. Thanks, Paige. So we've looked at some of the changes companies have made to their performance reviews and some of the reasons why. But what does it all mean for you and me? After all, many of us have had a bad experience or two when it comes to performance reviews. In my case, I often think of my first office job, where I somehow got it in my head that an annual review involved being brutally, viciously honest about my own performance. Uh, I blame this, by the way, on a lifetime of Catholic school and confessions. But uh, anyhow, I spent 20 minutes detailing all the things that I thought I had done wrong. The times I'd been late, the corners I might have cut, and how I tended to kind of zone out around 3 p.m. 
when I finally stopped talking, my manager looked at me like I was crazy. She, she paused for a second or two and then looked over her notes as if she wasn't sure if she wanted to continue. And then she said, I thought you did a great job. I think about that pretty often, um, mostly because I'm a mess, psychologically speaking. Again, I think that's Catholic school. But it's a handy example of how people can sabotage themselves. To find out some of the common mistakes people make and how we should prepare for a performance review, I spoke to Marsha Ford, Workopolis' Director of Human Resources. So why do you think people dread performance reviews so much? Uh, is it a failure in the way that companies are implementing them, or is it just because people find it awkward to talk about their own performance? I think companies who have a poor process, for sure, are contributing to that dread. But I think even under the best of circumstances, some people just don't like receiving feedback, and a lot of people aren't great at giving feedback. Uh, I'd say the other piece of it is that it's really time-consuming, and people already have a lot on their plate, so this is you know, another thing that they have to get accomplished within their busy work week. Well, what can you do to, to get used to receiving feedback, let's say, or criticism? Is there anything that an, employee should, an approach that an employee should take going into meetings that would make it easier? Uh, to receive feedback? Uh, I think that's personality mm -hmm. and probably building a relationship with your manager in the first place. So I would say the manager's accountable for that too, is you know this should not be the first conversation you're having with your manager. And if the trust is already there, I think that already leads to a smoother conversation. Okay. Um, so we've mentioned some of the ways in the podcast that performance reviews have changed over the last few years. Uh, have you noticed anything in your experience? Less than having noticed, I've, I hear a lot of the discussion that's starting to talk about eliminating performance reviews altogether. So that's the conversation that's going on right now. Do we need them or do we not need them? And I think that really depends on the organization. Some companies have taken steps in this direction, but I think there's still a long way to go. Has Workopolis changed its approach at all in the last few years? We've changed our approach. We have not eliminated performance reviews. We still do have a formal check-in twice annually, but we've spent a lot of energy tying in our corporate values into the process so that everyone is aligned, everyone is held to the same standard, and they're very clear on what's being measured. Uh, we've also embraced online tools to ensure goals are transparent. So all the way down from the president to every employee, there's a clear understanding of how we're moving and progressing as an organization. Mm -hmm. And most recently, we actually tied our rewards and recognition program into the reviews, which I think has been uh, a really nice way to recognize high potential employees on another level. Okay. Uh, so what are some of the things that people can do to prepare for a performance review? I mean, how could, they, how could you make the most of it, out of it, really? I think the best way to prepare is to not wait for the, the formal twice-a-year check-in. Uh, I think there's a responsibility of managers to have ongoing feedback and ongoing communication. Uh, and similarly for employees is hold your managers accountable and ask for clarification, ask for guidance. I think... Uh, it's naive to think that what you set out to do at the beginning of the year doesn't change. Businesses change, industries change, and there's a need to react quickly. Mm -hmm. So if your goals are no longer aligning with what you're seeing happen in the business, as an employee, bring that up to your manager and make sure you course correct. So a lot of it is setting goals uh, you know, beforehand, really, and, and making setting sure Setting goals, different. and I think companies need to be flexible to revise those goals if, okay. if things are changing in the business. So aside from that, are there any other common mistakes that employees and managers make? I think they just wait too long <laughs> to even have the conversation. 
Uh, I think they don't communicate throughout the year. Uh, they're not clear on what they want uh, to have. It, I, I would go back to what you said. If you're not setting goals clearly, it's really hard to be aligned together. Uh, so I think bringing up the conversation early and not waiting is the, the biggest key. Okay. Um, and so what do you see for the future? Are we on the cusp of something new when it comes to this uh, this kind of review or, or is the traditional performance review here to stay? I think businesses are changing and they have changed dramatically. There's no longer that top-down approach, that hierarchy, and businesses are more open to collaboration from their employees with regards to strategic goals. And I think businesses that do not change their processes, whether it's performance review or other HR type processes, they're gonna lose their top talent, they're gonna fall behind. So um, I think it's important to adapt and to change. Um, And I think the companies that are slowest to do this are bigger companies that have long histories and um, it's tough for them to, to kind of catch up. But I would advise they do so, (laughs) so that they can continue to keep top talent. All right, great advice. Thanks, Marsha. You're welcome. It's a lot to think about, right Paige? Absolutely. And most of this information came from research for our latest e-guide, a small business guide to implementing employee performance reviews. This has a lot more detail about performance reviews and how to make them amazing. Visit hiring.workopolis.com and click on resources for a full list of our e-guides. Great. And at that same link, you'll also find our blog for employers, which has a lot of advice on recruiting, human resources, and management. And for all you job seekers and employee listeners out there, you can also go to our blog at workopolis.com advice for tips and discussion on all things career-related. Safe for Work is produced by me, Sal Chalfi, Paige McGarry, and Madison McKee. It's executive produced by Lana Chen and Anne Valeri. Music by the band Code 5. You've been listening to Safe for Work, the Workopolis podcast. 